What's up, coaches? You are tuned in to Keep Your Pads Down, your home for all things defensive line play. Wherever you are, however you're listening, thank you for checking us out. This is our 68th episode, and today we are talking with the go-to source for anything and everything involving Texas high school football. For you guys outside of the state of Texas, Dave Campbell's Texas Football provides in-depth coverage of high school football that is second to none. You know, Texas high school football has a reputation of being a huge deal, and rightly so it is. But, you know, part of the reason that it is such a big deal is because of the coverage and exposure that our sport gets from these guys at Dave Campbell's. And, and so they, they also cover recruiting across the state. They, they stay on top of things like coaching changes. And, of course, they put out the Dave Campbell Texas Football Preview Magazine, which is the Bible of Texas football. And that comes out in the middle of June every summer. And, you know, that magazine provides in-depth coverage of over – I think Tep tells me 1,400 high schools in the state, plus previews every college in the, in, in the state of Texas. That's you know small college all, all the way up to the big boys. Uh, and even breaks down the Cowboys and the Texans. So, I mean, it is a thing of beauty. Magazine usually hits the shelves around Father's Day. And, you know, and I have great memories of being a middle school-age kid and, and waiting for that magazine to be on the rack at the HEB in our hometown and grabbing a copy and rushing home with it to look and see where those guys had the Huntsville Hornets finishing. Now, you know, and as I've gotten older, that feeling is, is still there. Still can't wait for the middle of June for that magazine to come out. And I think all of you other guys who grew up in this state still and still coach here, you, know, you probably have similar experiences, which is why I'm excited to be talking with the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, Greg Tepper. Now, Tepper is the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, the Southwest's leading football source since 1960, which is a position he's held since 2011. He's been with Fox Sports Southwest as an on-air analyst for the last seven years, including the Emmy Award-winning High School Scoreboard Live, Fox Football Friday, Built for a Tough Player of the Week, and coverage of the UIL State Football Championships. Tepper is the host of Texas Football Today, a daily live show on TexasFootball.com, discussing high school and college football in Texas. You can find his writing at TexasFootball.com as well. He's received multiple awards for his work, including two Lone Star Emmy Awards in 2018 and 2019, the 2019 Putt Powell Sports Writer of the Year Award presented by the Texas High School Coaches Association, and the 2019 Media Person of the Year Award presented by the Gridiron Club of Dallas. Tepper is a graduate of the University of Missouri, and he is married to his wife, Jen, and has an infant son named Hank, and is an absolute walking, talking Texas football encyclopedia. So today, Tep and I talk about what goes into putting their summer preview magazine together each year, under the radar storylines for the 2020 season, and then I ask Tep point blank, hey, are we playing football this year or not? Finally, we close out with some lighter topics, including Tep's hot take on the movie Rudy, and then I put him on the spot and see if he can name the mascots of 12 Texas high schools that I selected at random, and I might have stumped him on a couple. So does Greg Tepper know your mascot you have to listen to the end to find out so all of that and a whole lot more this is really a fun conversation with tep and he is a dude with a lot of layers who can speak intelligently on a wide array of topics so let's dive right in uh, here is episode number 68 with greg tepper on kypd Well, 
Well, we have had some, I would say, big-time coaches on this podcast, but today we welcome on our first bona fide celebrity, at least if you reside in the state of Texas. So, Tep, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of our podcast here today. Well, I'm, I'm happy to join you, but I, I have to argue with you right off the jump that if, if, if I fall into the category of celebrity, then we have just fallen so far as, as a society, I think. That's something that, honestly, we need to, we need to be able to, to take a step back and really think about where we are as a, as a, as a nation if I qualify as a celebrity. But all that's to say, I'm, I'm glad to be with you. Well, look, we are in a sports-starved time in our history. Uh, so anyone who uh, you know, makes a living talking about sports and, and, you know, you just obviously we're going to get into this, but Dave Campbell magazine was just released, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. So that that qualifies you, at least in this moment in our history as a celebrity right there. But, uh, you know, we're turning the tables on you a little bit because, you know, usually you're the one interviewing coaches. So a little role reversal for you tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I don't get asked a lot of questions except, uh, you know, how dare you? And, uh, <laughs> are you some, are you some, sure you're supposed to be here, sir? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm happy to, I'm happy to face the firing squad. I'm ready. You know, hopefully coaches can see you in a little bit of a, a, a different light, you know, uh, after this. So, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're going to jump right into this thing. You're the managing editor of Dave Campbell, Texas football magazine, which for those of our listeners outside of Texas, that's the ultimate authority on Texas high school football. Uh, also, you're the, the honor analyst for Fox Sports Southwest, where you do uh, high school scoreboard live, Fox Football Friday, built for a tough player of the week, in addition to covering the state championships in December. So, yeah, when it comes to Texas football, you, you are, are kind of a big deal. Uh, so walk us back to your days growing up in Dallas and tell us how you got to this point in your life and, and in your career. Yeah, it, you know, it's 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 a long winding path. I think that um, that a lot of people, you know, I think that's the way that most people get where they are. Uh, but I'll tell you that, you know, I I knew when I was in high school, you know, I was passionate about sports, always passionate about sports, but certainly not good enough to do it. I was an offensive lineman and a very bad one, uh, undersized. Um, I would say uh, under talented. But I knew I was interested in, in sports, and and so I, I started pursuing journalism. I, I found that I, you know, something that appealed to me. The writing aspect of it really appealed to me. So I decided to pursue journalism. Went to the University of Missouri. I got a degree from from their journalism school. I got a a job, a brief stop at uh, in Tulsa at the, at the Tulsa World there, and then a job at the Dallas Morning News. And in 2011, a job came open in the uh, in at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Uh, for an associate editor position, I applied for it. I was lucky enough to, to get it. And then in 2013, uh, the man who was the managing editor left, and, and I was promoted to managing editor. And that's the, the position I've been in ever since. And uh, you know, it's it's a great it's a great privilege to me to be the managing editor of this magazine because it does have such a rich history. We've been around for we just published our 61st annual edition. This is a magazine for for those who don't know that was uh, started on the on the kitchen table of Dave Campbell in Waco, Texas in 1960 because he didn't think that the Southwest Conference was getting enough love. And so, but he also wanted to make sure he included as he called them in the days schoolboy teams. And so you go back to that 1960 edition, uh, there are 576 schoolboy teams listed in that magazine and 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 it's been a tradition ever since that we put out a magazine every summer that that previews everyone in the state of Texas. And to me, that's a great responsibility because I just have to keep the legacy. But at the same time, 
uh, you know, I get to ride the coattails of Dave Campbell, one of the best, one of the best journalists the state has ever seen. So it's a great privilege. It's a great honor. And it's a great challenge every day uh, to uphold what, what Dave Campbell's Texas football is supposed to be about. Yeah, I think if you are a kid who played football uh, in the state of Texas growing up that, you know, I know that that personally um, that, that I have, you know, memories of I, I couldn't wait to, for, for that, you know, mid-June when, when that magazine would hit the racks and, and uh, you know, would go to, to the HEB in our town mm-hmm. and, and I would see it there and, and go and grab it. And, and the first thing you do is, you know, it, this was before I was even playing high school football. I was in middle school. Uh, my brother was playing, you know, I'd run home and see, you know, where did Dave Campbell have the Huntsville Hornets? And then uh, I'd want to see all my, you know, friends who were at other schools and just kind of look at it and look at that. And it was just such a, such a uh, red letter day when you got your, your, your Dave Campbell, Texas football magazine. That experience that you just described, um, there are hundreds and thousands, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. a, that's a common yeah. experience that, that what makes our magazine so special is that it's a touchstone in people's lives. Yeah. Uh, the best the best comments I get from people are tell are guys who tell me, man, you know what? My dad was in the magazine, and then I was in the magazine, and now my son's in the magazine. Yeah. That's special. Yeah. And there's just there's just few things in life uh, that that can do that. And and, and Texas Football Magazine is, is one of those things. So uh, so yeah, I the, the, I love hearing that. That's that's my favorite kind of story about our. So you talked about, uh, you know, you played some football in high school, but but where does that that passion for football come from? You know, was there a person who kind of introduced you to the game or just just describe your early experiences with the game of football? Yeah, you know, uh, more or less, I I kind of um, I think I became sports conscious in about uh, middle school. I think that's that's pretty common for people. You know, I'd always I was always into it, but I believe I, I took another step really when I was in middle school. And, and that's right around that time was when I started playing middle school football for the first time. I didn't play a peewee or anything like that. And, and I was, I think that when I started, you know, participating in football, I started to understand and really appreciate like the nuance of it. I think that there's, there's like the, there's the, 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 the top level idea of what football is about, which is you have offensive linemen and a receiver and a defense trying to stop them and a quarterback. Uh, and then there's like all the little things that go into it. And all the little things I think are what really appeals to the way my brain is wired that it takes every guy on the field doing the right thing at the right time for the right purpose for things to work. That's where, and that just appeals to me in such a great way. Now I love baseball. For example, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a diehard Texas Rangers fan, which is my curse in life. But <laughs> Uh, that is in many ways a more individual sport. You can go out there and, and hit 50 home runs and, and, and that's great for your team, but ultimately it was just you and you do it going out there and doing it yourself. What I love about football is, is that it's the ultimate team game. It requires, uh, it requires uh, such strategy and such a commitment from all everybody involved that, uh, that really the, the passion just kind of seeps through. And, and, and I was immediately hooked really once I kind of got into the nitty gritty of the game. So is what you're doing now, was that ever on the radar? Like, I mean, was that ever even in your thought process coming no. through? And I mean, how did that even come about? No, um, you know, what I'm doing right now is, is very different from what I pictured myself being. My, my dream job growing up, or at least whenever I was pursuing a, a, a degree in sports journalism, was I wanted to be the back page uh, columnist for Sports Illustrated, right? I yeah. wanted to be yeah. Rick Riley. 
You know, yeah. I want to I want to, to, yeah. to shove Rick Riley out of the paint and, yeah. and take his job. Uh, and now, for example, I I have a degree in newspaper journals. I got a degree in newspaper journalism in 2008. You know what kind of <laughs> dummy it takes to have a degree in newspaper in 2008? I might as well have just like gotten a, a, a degree in like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. But what it, it what it, it did is it gave me that great background of of of, of kind of journalism and and, and fact checking and, and little things like that that are so important to newspaper. Uh, I had never done broadcast before, for example. I'd never been on television except for like a guest appearance here and there on like the local high school football show. Um, and and then suddenly I was thrust into doing four hours of live television every Friday night, and I just kind of did it. So. To answer your question, no. I had no idea this is where my career would end up, but um, I'm awful glad that, that it, it is where I ended up. And so you see, this is where our paths converge a little bit because I'm, I'm from talking with you and you know the years you're talking about, we're roughly the mm-hmm. same age. Uh, and I, when I was coming through in high school, that's what I wanted to be. I used to get Sports Illustrated. Uh, it would come to my house every Thursday. And I loved uh, reading the Life of Riley articles in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Riley. And, and that's what I thought, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be for some reason did well in English classes and, and love sports. And so that's what I wanted to, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a sports writer. And so my dad was like, okay, well you need to go talk to some sports writers and just kind of see what it takes. And so uh, I went up uh, one day and, and talked with the sports editor at the Huntsville item there in Huntsville, Texas, and wasn't impressed, you know, walked away with uh, thinking, you know, maybe this is not what I want to be. But again, that you're in the newspaper talking to someone in the newspaper industry you know, mid two thousands, you know, right before it really started falling off. But, but so, but I've always been drawn back to that. And maybe that's why I'm doing this podcast, but English major and and all that. But anyway, so what was your first experience being on TV? Like, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember it very vividly because I was, it was football Friday, Fox football Friday. And at that time, this is in 2013, we were, um, we were on location. We were on location doing uh, doing a four hour live show that was kind of a whip around show of high school football coverage from around the state, but obviously spotlighting one particular game that we were at. And so this was in the Austin area. I want to say this was at Cedar Park, and um, I was there. I put on my suit and I got out there, and and and, and I, I was so nervous. I was so nervous because the idea is that you've got four hours of live television in front of you, I am sweating bullets. And I've never done television before. Like, I have no idea. I literally have no idea what I'm doing. Many people would argue I still have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Point is, I go out there, and my, my co-host, who's a, a wonderful guy named Jeff Power, we get through this first segment. Heavily scripted. He's leading me through it and stuff like that. And we get through it, and we get to the first commercial break. And I start thinking, okay, here's the thing. You just got done with that one segment. And now you have about 40 more today. And then, by the way, next week you're going to have to do it again. And then you're going to have to do it 13 more times after that. After that, you know, you're done. And, and at that moment, it kind of dawned on me that the only way that they were going to fire me was if I, was if I cursed on the air. That's the only way they were going to fire me. Now, I want to be very clear to any broadcast people out there. That is not the only reason somebody can fire you. But at that <laughs> point, it, when it was 115 degrees outside and I was in a suit, that really made a lot of sense. So I took a Sharpie, and at the bottom of my notes, I wrote, don't swear. Just because I think that that calms me down in a way of like, okay, that's one small thing that I can focus on. I can just focus on not saying the F word on, on statewide TV. And I got through the show. 
And now, you know, here I am, I'm, I guess, seven years later, as I'm dating myself, seven years later, um, at, at, at the beginning of every show, I write Don't Swear at the bottom of my rundown, just as a reminder to, that, that you can't you can't eat the whole thing in one bite. You got to go just, you know, step by step and control what you can control. So I remember that very distinctly. I was glad when it was over, but now, you know, I love what I'm doing. And, and the moment that the camera turns off, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to, to do it again next week. Have you been able to, uh, to stick to that, the no swearing? I have never cursed on the air. It's my proudest achievement. Um, I've come close a couple of times, but I've been able to, you know, you know how sometimes you're, um, you're, you're, you come close and, and the word's about to come out, but then you're able to like grab the wheel and oh, yeah. swerve yeah. at the last moment. Yes. Yep. You know, like, oh gosh, dang it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, something similar like that. I've, I've come close a couple of times, but, uh, no, I've never cursed on the air, and uh, and and as long as I keep doing that, I, I hope the thoughts keep having that. So, anyone who listens to you or watches you would probably have a hard time imagining you being nervous because you do, you know, you are very polished and very knowledgeable. Uh, so, when was the last time you were nervous uh, about some aspect of your job? Do you remember that? Yeah, um, I mean, first of all, I think you're nervous a, a little bit every show just because you, you want to go out there and do a good job and you don't want to embarrass your, your, your family and things like that. But uh, as far as like, uh, I think that basically you, you kind of forget more and more how nervous you are the more you do it. And so now, you know, you just kind of, at some point, just kind of background noise. But I will say that the last time I was really nervous was after that unforgettable 2018 Galena Park North Shore versus Duncanville game, yep. uh, which was the state championship game. It's the Hail Mary for those who, who, who you know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. knows what I'm talking yep. about. It's yep. that state championship game, the Hail Mary of Demetrius Davis, AJ Carter. And I remember, like, after I got done freaking out there for a couple of minutes, uh, we were about to come on the air because we had the high school school board live. It's the big finale, the big wrap-up of all the state championship games. And I realized what was going to happen. What, what, I, what was going to happen was that my colleague, Rick Renner, was going to turn to me and he was going to say, what did we just see? And what I can't do at that moment is just look like a stammering idiot, even though that's all I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do is just go like, oh, did you see that? Yeah. And so I tried to come up with a way to kind of describe what we saw and the magnitude of what we saw uh, at that moment. And, and I was really nervous heading out. Like when we... When we hit well, hit the air, I was I was sweating bullets because I was like, you know, this is something you got to get right because uh, sometimes you understand when history has just been made, yeah, and you're like, all right, dude, don't be the dumb part of history, you know, don't be the thing that that people are like, oh yeah, it's a great moment, but then Tepper came on the air and just you know farted all over it. Like that's that was my one goal was to come out here and say something relatively smart, and so that was probably the last time I was really truly nervous. Now we can all relate to that, you know, that reaction because, you know, I was, I remember I was at my in-laws house, I was sitting in a recliner, you know, everyone else had gone to bed, I'm watching this game and you're kind of just like, okay, you know, last gasp of, of a breath for, for North Shore there. And then he comes down with it. The kid comes down with it. And so I, I don't think I could have been able to formulate any, any intelligible uh, analysis of what I just saw, except for, you know, what a play. And that's why Texas high school football is so great. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, and that's why I love what I do. Is like I genu- I, I think I want to put this in a polite way. Um, I do not besmirch people getting paid to cover high school football because look, uh, I am in favor of, of of people getting paid 
uh, period. That's that's a good that's a good thing when you're covering high school football. You know, if you're if you're out there grinding and stuff like that, I I respect it and I want that to happen. But I've also gotten pretty good, at, I think, at 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 sipping up people who are in it for a paycheck, who are like, this is my job and this is what I do. Um, but that with that, the reason that I stick around is because I love this stuff. Like high school football, just the stinking best. Like every single week, there's something you've never seen before. And I know that's a cliche, but it's so true. And there's so many storylines all around the state going on, uh, you know, little things and, 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 and things that make it, that, that tug at your heartstrings and, 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 and remarkable stories and remarkable characters. Like I, I, I literally would not do this if I wasn't passionate about it because high school football is in, in many ways a stepping stone for a lot of journalists. And that's fine. Again, I'm, I'm okay with that. I understand it. That's the way that, that, that things are built. But for me, like, people have asked me, what's your goal? Like, what's your dream job? It's like, I'm kind of living it. Like, my bad days at work involve high school football in Texas, and people care what I think about it. That's pretty darn cool. And so I'm just, I'm extremely blessed. And, 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 and I, 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 I feel like the, the passion of high school football, it, it like, I hope that it resonates when people watch Fox and they see Craig Way and they see Rick Renner and they see myself, they see Aaron Hardigan because they're super passionate about it as well. And that's, that is something that I think is really, really cool about, about what we're able to do is that we are able to capture that in, in a meaningful way. So the job that you have is really cool. And, and I, I think that, um, you know, that, that we all uh, at some point though, uh, coming up, coaches and 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 journalists alike uh, had jobs that were not so cool. So, what was what was the worst job you had coming up, either as a teenager or even as a young professional? So, I, I I'm I'm going to take that and I'm going to kind of turn it into because I I don't think I've ever really had like a really bad job. You know, I've I've had I've had jobs that I didn't love, and I've had job I've had bosses that I didn't love, things like that. But what I will say is that I've, I've definitely had jobs that have challenged me in a way that, that I never thought that I would. And, and I'll go back to, uh, I had an internship at the paper in Tulsa, the Tulsa World, uh, during, my, during college. It was the summer after my sophomore year. And I was there covering on the, on, on the sports team, uh, you know, covering sports. And, and I got to cover, you know, like an OU practice. I got to cover... Uh, you know, uh, they had an arena football league team at the time. I got to cover a little bit. Then they had, a, they had a, a, the Tulsa Drillers, which are minor league baseball teams. But there was one uh, event that I was sent to go cover, and it was in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. And it is the World Noodling Championship. Now, Ty, <laughs> do you know what noodling is? I do. I do. I, yeah. it's, you're, you're swimming down and pulling big catfish size of Volkswagens out of holes in a lake. And, and what are you using to, to, to catch these catfish? Your, your hand. Your hand. Correct. Yeah. Correct. You are using your bare hands. It's bare-handed catfishing is what it is. And they sent me some city flicker, <laughs> some, 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 like, 19-year-old, 20-year-old doofus out to Paul's Valley to cover the, the, the World Noodling Championship. It's an unforgettable experience. I, I loved every second of it. I am terrified of it. It is. It was one of the, the most unbelievable things I've ever done. Uh, I would not want to do it again, but I'm glad that I did it. If that's if, if that kind of qualifies as an answer to these questions. Is there any audio or video of you interviewing a noodler? Because that we need to we need to see that. Oh, 
So I was a pen and paper guy at the time. So okay. I think I was just like scribbling down. But I, I mean, there were cameras there. So there may be a camera, uh, spare camera. I'll never forget that. Like, uh, I got to interview like the noodling queen. Because, <laughs> like, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She had a sash and everything, <laughs> as, you, as you do. And then I also got to, and then I interviewed the winner. And the winner, I'll never forget, he was um, he was uh, not wearing a shirt. I would say that people outnumbered shirts about two to one. Yeah, yeah, and of course. And then, uh, you know, because why would you? Right. And But then he was holding his uh, plaque that he won, his trophy that he won, from the, from the New England tournament. And and I guess, like, for people who don't understand, like, the way that you catch these things is that they, you stick your hand down into the river and you let the catfish, like, swallow your arm. Right. Basically. And then yep. you pull it out. So his his forearm is just ripped up and it's really kind of kind of gross. And then in his other hand, he is holding what I believe was about a three-month-old daughter at the time. <laughs> and that was, a, that was that's a, that's a snapshot that I've had in my mind. For about uh, 15 years now, since I've since I covered that event. That's uh, that's so I don't know if, if those exist, but I would love a picture of that of, of that if it does. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, that, that's an awesome story, and you know, um, I, I'm sure at that moment there were some serious questions and doubts as to you know what am I doing with my life? Is this what I want to be doing with my life? Covering the noodle noodling, you know, world championships <laughs> here in you know, middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, but, uh, you, you've made it now you're on TV, you, you know, you're a, a recognizable figure. So you've come a long way. So those of those, those journalists who are out there kind of mm-hmm. in the struggle right now, there's, there's hope for them is what you're saying. Yeah. Listen, I, I promise you like the best advice that I can tell, uh, I can give to, to young journalists is uh, like, don't like no vacancy. But the other advice that I would give them would be like, you're going to have to grind it out and you're going to, you're going to need to go through some, 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 some trials and tribulations uh, to get where you want. Like I, you know, I, I grinded out and my job at the Dallas Morning News was in community newspapers, wasn't even covering sports. Um, that's, that's something that you, you have to do and, and you have to pay your dues. It really is a dues paying situation. But if you find people along the way that are willing to help you, uh, that, that certainly makes it a, a lot, a, a lot easier and a lot more fun. But it's the same with coaches because, you know, young guys getting out of school, you know, a lot of them want to jump straight to a coordinator role or even just a Friday mm-hmm. night assistant role. And, and you know, it's it's you hear it from from older coaches say, hey, you got to pay your dues. And, and a lot mm-hmm. of that it means, you know, coaching middle school football or, uh, you know, being just at a, at a really bad school or, or poor program and just kind of mm-hmm. grinding it out. Right. And, and paying your dues. And then, then when you can look back on those, on those times, you can appreciate and appreciate where you've come from. Yeah, I, I can certainly uh, understand that. And, and, and I think there's a, a common thread there that, uh, you know, no matter what you're doing, like you're, you're not going to, nobody, nobody starts to stop. Yeah. Like not one yeah. person has ever started. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess like probably like two people in the history of the world have probably started from the top, but most of them were like born into royal families. Yeah. So like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so unless, unless, unless you know that, like, and, and by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably not you. So at that point <laughs> you're, you're probably just grinding from the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's jump. Let, I want to jump back and, and talk about the magazine a little bit because uh, just looking through that, and I was looking through it today in in preparation for this conversation. And it, it really is when you, when you sit down and look at it, I mean, just the depth of the analysis. And we're not even just talking about uh, how many high schools are covered in there. I know it says it on the, pro, on the, on the cover uh, roughly. It's a, little, it's a little more than 1,400. Okay. I want to say the, the official number this year is like 1,412. Okay. Like okay. So, so 1,400 high schools plus 
all the colleges uh, in in the state of Texas, from small the smallest colleges that play football on up to you know University of Texas, Texas A and M, and then you know junior college ball, uh, and then and even the professional professional teams, uh, the Cowboys and the Texans. So just so much information in there. Describe to us the process of putting that magazine together. Yeah, look, it's it's a grind, and it, it's the kind of thing that we start really uh, in earnest in in February. Uh, we we put send the magazine to press at the end of May, but this this process starts in February where we come together and start talking about things like the cover, things like the main features, things like that. Uh, what do we want? What do we want to spotlight in the magazine? And then, look, you know, obviously with the, the high school side of it is, is our big uh, is, is is what most people know us for. But as you mentioned, you know, half our magazine is devoted to college and recruiting. Uh, there are 47 colleges in the state of Texas that play football. We cover every single one of them, whether you're talking about Texas A&M Aggies or you're talking about uh, Texas Wesleyan or Southwestern Assemblies of God. We, we cover those as well. But the high school thing is really what, what people want, want to know about it. And, and for us, the process starts uh, with uh, we send a questionnaire out to every coach in the state. Uh, and that questionnaire gets us a lot of the nitty-gritty information. How many lettermen did you lose from last year? How many starters do you have coming back? On offense, uh, what's the height, weight, and forty of your quarterback? Things like that. A lot of the, a lot of the nuts and bolts uh, are there. And 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 our relationship with coaches is so critical. Like if you were to say, what is it about Dave Campbell's Texas football that sets us apart from other media outlets? It's that we have, I think, an unmatched Rolodex, and we have an unmatched relationship with coaches because they are, in many ways, the lifeblood of what we do. Uh, that we, you know, we 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 do right by them because they do right by us. And it is, a, I think, a mutually beneficial uh, situation where, uh, you know, we, they, they want to promote their program. We want to promote their program, but we need their help to do it. And so we like to follow up with a lot of coaches, uh, talk to them about, you know, what they think about their team, what are they going to look like, how they're going to be different. Uh, and then it's a matter of, uh, you know, writing up all these previews. We have a great uh, selection, not only an outstanding uh, full-time staff uh, with Dave Campbell's Texas football, but also... We have a number of, of outstanding contributors from all around the state who write up a lot of the high school uh, previews. They take questionnaires, get some extra stuff from coaches, and then put together a preview about what this team is going to look like. And then it's a matter of putting it all together. You know, and it's 400 pages. Uh, you know, we we got a, a great design team that helps out. But uh, you know, I'm la- I'm up late laying out high school football pages. Uh, you know, six man football pages on on May 20th, uh, and and it's a grind. You know, April and May. Uh, my, my, me and my team kind of disappear off the face of the earth and we, you don't see us much. Uh, there's not a whole lot of social interaction there. Not that that was a whole huge issue this particular year, but, um, there is, uh, it's, it's a huge lift, but it is a labor of love. And this is something that whenever that you hit that big oversized send the press button at the end of, uh, at the end of May, there's a real feeling of accomplishment because, uh, it's a grind and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of little things that have to be right. Uh, and, and, and we try to do our best to just do right by day. So it's a it's, it's huge, huge undertaking that I'm, I'm super proud of my staff uh, to, to do every year. And, and especially this year, given the circumstances, I thought was particularly uh, impressive by my team. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, you know, just looking through the magazine, you can't tell, oh, we were in a, you know, in the middle of the midst of a, uh, a nationwide or really international pandemic and, and you know, quarantine. I, I thought, uh, as as usual, the magazine was top notch and, and great information in there. Uh, you mentioned the cover, and that's kind of one of the things y'all first you, you talk about as you first sit down. How do you decide who makes the cover, and what's what's that process like? 
Yeah, so that's one of the first things we do because uh, in, in a lot of ways, and, and people who have heard me do interviews before have heard me say this, and my wife gives me a lot of trouble because she hears me do interviews and I have the same couple of jokes, but I'll give it to you guys as well. Um, I, I'm actually very envious. I'm envious of the people at Sports Illustrated because if they put out a bad cover, they just get to do another one next week. For us, like, we got to get it right because it goes down in history. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's one yeah. of now 61, and you can't, you can't mess it up. Like, you can't. It's not... Not an option to do a bad cover. Um, and we've had covers that I like more than others, but uh, this year, you know, the, the, the question I think we always start our conversation with in February is what is the most compelling story in the state of Texas in, in football? You know, what is the most compelling story? And, and that's, that's where the debate begins. And, and we can go back and forth. There are a lot of different uh, uh, candidates this year. Uh, Baylor certainly had an argument to be on the cover, uh, although admittedly, I think when Matt Rule left and then James Lynch left, a little bit of that luster was taken off. I think that Texas A&M had a great argument as well, considering I think that they they have the opportunity to have a breakout year in 2020. But we ended up looking at SMU, and, and, and particularly their quarterback, Shane Bouchelle. When you look at what he was able to do, you know, his story, going to Texas, it not working out for him, and then kind of moving over to SMU and reinventing himself and becoming a star and helping take SMU to new heights. And, and what I love about this is that, is that SMU helped to reinvent Shane Bouchelle, and Shane Bouchelle helped to reinvent SMU. And they did it in the way that is the new way of doing business in college football. They did it by giving a lot of guys second chances. It's a lot of, a lot of transfers. A lot of guys using the transfer portal to build a college football team. And so uh, we want to focus on, on, on Shane Bouchelle. We decided on him. Um, and, and first time since 1983, we've been able to put a, uh, an SMU player on the cover. The last one was Lance McElhaney. Uh, you know, but but we thought it was awful. Uh, he was awful deserving. You know, we actually uh, we had a, a cover shoot scheduled. We had a cover shoot on the books for April 20th, but uh, there was still a stay at home order in in Dallas County. So I had to call SMU and tell them, hey guys, it would literally be illegal for us to get together right now. Uh, and so we had to do do with some existing art that we already had. But we're really pleased with the way that it turned out, and and, and hopefully you know, the response has been really really positive uh, from a lot of people. And I know SMU fans are going crazy over it, but it's been a long time coming since a player from the Hilltop has been on the covers. No doubt. And, and I, you know, that is, that is a daunting task to try to, with, with all mm-hmm. of the great football teams and storylines, you know, it, just in the state of Texas year in, year out, it's got to be a, a, just almost an impossible task to, to focus on one team or one player. One, one cover I want to bring up, especially in light of the events that have happened within the last week is, uh, it was a few years ago, the cover with Patrick Mahomes and Cliff Kingsbury, and it was a re- Kind of a reenactment mm-hmm. of the Daryl Royal and who was it on there with him? Was it Scott Apple? Okay, yeah. So so that cover and I remember getting that and I grew up as a Texas fan and I remember getting that and I was like, you know what? Who is Mahomes? Like who is this guy? But <laughs> obviously, obviously, I didn't know what I was talking about. You guys did. So this is me coming clean. Okay, he just signed a four hundred million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. But that if a cover mm-hmm. ever aged well, that one sure oh. did. Listen, listen. So that was, and okay, I want to be very clear that Dave Campbell's Texas football is a team. It's a team game. We're all working together, and, and we're not in the business of giving credit. That said, that was my idea. That is a red pepper baby. <laughs> that is my idea. I was like, I want to remake the. Uh, I want to. I want to remake the. Uh, uh, you know, the the, the sixty three cover because that's, that's one of my favorite covers. Sixty three. Yeah, uh, the yeah. slaughter and the executioner. Uh, an iconic image, I think, of Daryl Royal. Uh, you know, kind of looking over his shoulder 
in doing that. And I am so, so happy that we were able to, to pull that off. And that is aged well. And, and obviously, you know, Cliff Kingsbury didn't work out at Texas. Kind of worked out for him in life. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously yeah. Ty Mahomes has gone on a great thing. What I also love about that, and not to not to just, you know, but I, I'm real, I love that 2016 cover. I think they, I think you're right. I think it aged really well. What I also love about that is that, that was the first year we had a, a gatefold cover where we have a yeah. secondary cover that folds out from underneath it. And right. that one featured Todd Dodge, the coach at Westlake, who just recently won a state championship at Westlake. Right. Uh, and his quarterback by the name of Sam Ellinger, which again, I think has aged rather well. Yeah. So yeah. look, overall, look, look, we're not perfect. There are some covers I like back. Okay. But 2016, I'm going to take a victory lap on that one. That is a home run cover. <laughs> I think that I'm, I'm so proud of the way that that's going to Yeah. Well, I, would it be too much to ask for Mahomes to like throw you a million? I mean, you so, know, because I mean, uh, look, we're buddies. I mean, we, you know, obviously we're, we, we have a, we have a photo together. So, uh, you know, and I, I mean, I, I'm just going to say that um, before the photo shoot, he had never signed a $400 million contract. And after the photo shoot, he has. That's so a great point. I'm not a scientist. That's a great point. But that that feels like science. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And I, I'm, I'm sure that he's, pro- he's probably got something in the works for you. You know, <laughs> let him take care of his inner circle first. And then you got to be, I, I got to believe you're the next guy there and, you know, in that in the food chain to, to get taken care of. But okay. So not to take away too much from, from what's in the magazine, because if you don't have a copy of the magazine, go get it. Um, you know, there's no reason not to have it, but as you now have, have that's been released and that's out now, what are some intriguing storylines coming into the 2020 season? Now, let me, let me a little caveat here. We are for this conversation. We are pretending like Texas high school football is going to, going to just play on as close to normal as possible. I know that there's, I, you know, I, we're putting on our rose-colored glasses here, okay? So with that, with that stipulation, what are some intriguing to- uh, storylines coming into the 2020 season that many people might be uh, unaware of, maybe under the radar? Well, the, the, the one thing is, and I think that this is, um, this is not going to be, it may be grand, like overarching, not under the radar, but the granular, I think, is under the radar, and that's the effect of the UIL realignment. You know, every two years, the UIL reshuffles the districts, reshuffles the classifications, and there are some big movers, right? I mean, you have Carthage, which yeah. is the eight-time state champion, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the our seven-time state champion, the basically the preeminent high school football power in the state of Texas right now, dropping down a division where they could be on a collision course with the defending four division two state champions in Pleasant Grove. You've got Longview, who won the 2018 state championship at the 6A level, dropping down uh, to 5A and into the same region, by the way, with the other four teams we have in our top five in 5A division one. That is absolutely absurd. Uh, a lot of movement in the realignment. That's something I'm interested in. Uh, coaching changes in the high school ranks. I think that there's a lot of big high profile coaching changes that some people, you know, some people know about, and, and, and if you follow closely, for example, you know, Denton Geyer has a new coach and Rodney Webb moving over from Rockwall. Denton Geyer coach, uh, you know, John, uh, John Walsh is now at San Marcos, has a chance to do uh, big things there. Uh, there are just a lot of big, there are a lot of like major big moves in the coaching changes ranks. Uh, for example, Cy Fair down the Houston area, a team that won the 2017 state championship, they um, have a forever new coach for the first time in, 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 you know, in a long, long time, basically 15 years, you know, almost 20 years, uh, Ed Pajowski uh, retires. They, they, they bring in Jeff Miller, the coach 
uh, from Rockdale, who's an alumnus taking over there. That's a, that's a, a big, high-profile uh, coaching move. And, and that's something that I think is, is certainly going to be really interesting to keep an eye on is how do these new guys, especially, and I know we're ignoring the pandemic here, involved, but, but especially considering uh, they didn't, they weren't able to have a normal off season with their guys. Right. Uh, that's yeah. something that I think is really uh, flying under, un, under the radar. And, and the other thing that I would mention is I think that right now uh, in the state of Texas, we have never, I don't know if we've ever had a crop of quarterbacks like we have right now when you take a look around the entire state whether you're talking about the class of, of, of 2021 which are guys who are going to be seniors uh, this year i mean you've got unbelievable guys like demetrius davis who has a chance to win three state championships at, at galena park north shore you know whether you're, you're, you're talking about guys like eli sowers who led den guy to a state championship game uh, before injuring his knee in that state championship game uh, that's a guy that that is is, is really interesting as well, you know, whether you're, you're talking about any number of these quarterbacks who are absolutely, I was thinking Preston Stone uh, from, from Parish Episcopal, they, they just have, there's tons of outstanding quarterbacks. And then you drill down in the lower, in the, the, the younger classification, you got guys like Quinn Ewers at South Lake Carroll, a uh, known, uh, you know, quarterback factory. And there are people, they're recruiting analysts who I have a lot of respect for who think he's the best player in the country. Um, I mean, I don't think the state of Texas has had a crop of quarterbacks right now uh, across all the classifications that we've seen like this in a long, long time. And and that's something that's really exciting for me uh, as a guy. I think it's an easy sell for people who are, who are trying to to find a hook to get them into high school football. No doubt. No doubt. Well, here's, as you you just rattle off all those names and all the, how do you stay current in all of your Texas high school football information and keep it straight? Because you know, that just seems like, a, I mean, there's a lot of school, 1,400 schools, and that's a lot of coaches, and that's a lot of players. How do you keep all of that straight? Well, the first thing to remember is that I have an illness, okay? Like, this is a mental illness that I have, that I'm able to, to hold all these things in my mind. But the, the one thing that I'll say is that, like, it's easy for me. It's not easy for me to do. I want to be clear. Uh, but it, it's fun for me. Like, like, being, like, being passionate about what you do makes it so that doing things like that aren't work. Yeah. You know, that's just fun. That's, that's, uh, that's just doing what you want. It's like, you know, like coaches, like coaches, the, the coaches who, who are truly into the coaching game, like there are a lot of things that I would not be interested in doing as far as being a coach is concerned. A lot of things, okay? A lot of nonsense y'all have to deal with. But the coaches who are passionate about it, they're like, you know what? That's part of the gig and I love it. And, and that's, for me is, is part of it. And, you know, it takes a lot of studying. It just takes a lot of, you know, uh, uh, note taking. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a feverish note taker, uh, just writing things down all the time and just trying to keep things straight. Uh, and, you know, I messed up a lot, uh, but you know, I, I try to keep things straight as, as much as I can. It's more or less just part of the gig. And, and it's something that if I weren't passionate about, I'd probably free up brain space, uh, that I, that I need. And I'd fill it up with, you know, Rangers OPS. <laughs> So what's, as you look across this kind of in that vein, as, as, as you did your research for this year's magazine, what's the most impressive or even surprising stat that you came across uh, while doing your research for this year's magazine? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, okay, there's a few. One, and I mentioned Carthage before. Uh, but yeah, I, I've, seen, I've seen enough. I've seen and heard enough of Carthage. We, uh, we got those guys scheduled, you know, obviously if everything holds for the third year in a row and in, in week um, sure. five, you know, as a, hopefully a state championship no, preview, seems, but 
Um, anyway. Yeah, no, that seems that seems like a really good plan. Good job, guys. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, you don't have to do that. But anyway, uh, that's not here nor there. Um, but the the fact that Scott Surratt has more state championships than he has playoff losses, yeah. I think is is pretty pretty remarkable. Um, I, I thought that actually, you know, one thing that that surprised me um, is, is you know we do a we do a piece in uh, in Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Actually, I do a piece in Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Uh, every year because it's, it's just a huge data dump list of uh, about recruiting between the numbers. It basically dives into uh, the recruiting aspects of, uh, of, of everything, um, you know, basically what it is about, um, about uh, how recruiting happens in not only the state of Texas, uh, but nationwide. One thing that I found super interesting was that um, Class 6A, as you would imagine, did produce the most in class of 2020. But if you were to do it by per capita, if you were to do it per capita, they are the fourth best uh, classification at producing prospects, FBS signees, uh, in the class of 2020. Class 5A was better than them. Class 4A was better than them. And then believe it or not, class 2A was, was better than them. Class 2A put out more FBS prospects per per capita, so I'm talking per 10,000 students in those schools, than Class 6A did, which I thought was really remarkable that, you know, for anybody who needs a hook and find, finding something to, to get into small school football, I mean, there is some talent down there that you would just not believe in. And by the way, they're not secrets anymore. You've got big-time pro- programs, you know, like TCU, uh, that they're jumping in and making sure that they, yeah. uh, they recruit some of the very best small school players in the state. I think that, and I asked this uh, question uh, for, to our guest last week. He's a he's a um, he's a Houston area. Uh, he's, he grew up in the Houston area. He's now the head coach at, at Colorado Mesa, but longtime assistant coach in the state of Texas. And I said, "Hey, who plays the better high school football, Houston or Dallas?" And I, I was kind of I was kind of tossing him a softball there because he is a Houston guy. But I think when it comes to big school football, Dallas and Houston and and and. If you put a gun in my head, I would probably say Dallas. I'm sorry, Houston guys. I grew up close to Houston. But I think when, when you kind of, that, to, to speak to that stat you're talking about, but when it comes to the lower levels, you know, I think East Texas, I mean, in East Texas, I mean, East Texas has a ton, you, you can drive, you know, 20 minutes and you're at a school where there's a, there's a Division One prospect. And, and that's it. it, little tiny schools, that's at 4A schools, but there's a lot of small school ball over here on this side of the state that is really a talent laden. Uh, I would even I would even drill down even further. Um, I would say if you go southeast, okay. So yeah. if you're talking yeah. Piney Woods area, yeah. right? Piney Woods, Golden Triangle, yeah. which is what what we call kind of the Greater Beaumont area, if yep. you will. Uh, that pocket of the state is. Oh, I don't know what's in the water down there, but like they put out prospects at such a high rate. That, like every year, you're just like, oh yeah, of course. Like West Orange Shark has a couple of dudes, or of course, Silsby has a guy, and then of course there's Carthage who we classify in the Piney Woods. Like it is unbelievable the amount of talent down there. You know, places like Huntsville, they have unbelievable talent down there. That uh, that I would say that that if you're looking for this really kind of hidden nook of the state, um, that that Piney Woods Golden Triangle area is so dense with talent down there, and 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 that makes for really fun high school football to watch too. No doubt, no doubt. Well, we did. You know, I said this uh, earlier in a, that, that we're going to pretend like the season is going to proceed as normal. But now I do want to ask you, what are your thoughts about this upcoming season as far as as how it will look? 
Will we start on time? You know, uh, and this is kind of in light of, of what happened today with the Big Ten, you know, saying they're only going to play conference games. Will that have an effect on anything the UIL decides to do? What is just your gut telling you? I, I, you know, what do you think? So um, I'm going to mix kind of my gut with, with kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm hearing. And, and, and basically, I, I tend to defer to coaches because coaches know better than I do. Um, and coaches over the past couple of weeks have started getting nervous. And, and you know coaches, and, and I, I yeah. coaches who are listening to this, coaches are inherently positive. They're, they're positive people because if you're not a positive person, this is not the industry for you. you know, you've got to be a positive guy. And um, they are starting to get nervous. And we ran a, we ran a, a piece on TexasFootball.com this week, uh, a survey of more than 500 Texas high school football head coaches asking them, how are you feeling about the fall? And they're starting to feel pessimistic. They're starting to feel like we're not going to start on time. We're going to have maybe some interruptions, things like that. Um, from what I understand, talking with, with folks in and around the UIL, um, they have a, they're considering every option. Really, truly, they're considering delays. They're considering um, truncations. They're considering starting on time. You know, they're considering everything is on the table. They are, you know, I, I believe the one thing I'll say is, is the, the, the idea that's being kicked around right now is uh, spring, is moving football to spring. Um, get by football a little bit more time, just play the season in, in, in the spring. And uh, you, you saw New Mexico make that decision today that they're going to be uh, doing that. I would say that in knowing the UIL and, and what they, how they tend to operate, that is a pretty radical move. And the UIL, that would be more last resort than first option. So, look, I remain optimistic we will see football in some way, shape, or form in the 2020. Um, I think it may be different. I think it may be weird. I think it, it may get stopped halfway through. Or yeah. something like that, because yeah. obviously there are bigger issues at play than, than, than whether or not we're going to be able to line up 11 versus 11. Um, but uh, I remain confident we'll see some sort of football in 2020. What it looks like, uh, I can't tell you. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you with the nervous part. I think if um, you know, kind of before this recent spike, so you know, maybe two, three weeks ago, if 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 you would have asked me this question, how I feel about it, I'd be like, oh yeah, we're definitely. We're going to be fine. We're on board. It's, 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 mm-hmm. you know, because just the way that the UIL was starting to loose, you know, they had a plan of the way they were loosening up, uh, you know, the, the regulations on your summer workouts and stuff. They're already kind of starting to roll some of that stuff back, you know, loosening up a little bit. But then the, you know, this, this recent spike hit and now you're right. It's like, well, uh, I don't know now. I'm, I'm not so I'll, confident I'll, now. I'll just, I'll just say this. Um, the wind is blowing right now. And the wind right now, and it can change, but the wind is not blowing in a positive direction for football in, 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 in the fall. Anywhere, anywhere. I mean, you're seeing what the Big Ten's doing, you're seeing oh, what yeah. the Ivy League's doing. Yeah. Sounds like the Pac-12 is there. Um, I remain, I have a lot of confidence in the UIL. Um, I, think that, I think that they are smart folks who are going to make the right decision or make what they believe is the right decision. The one thing I, I, keep, I keep hammering this home whenever I talk with folks, I, I will say that I think it's important to remember that we are all dealing with a moving target. We are all dealing with unprecedented times, and I think that it is it is it is probably it's probably a good thing if we were to offer some grace to uh, the people who who make decisions because these are hard decisions. Nobody nobody doesn't want to see football in the fall. I'll say that everybody wants football. We're all pro football in the state of Texas. 
But I think that it's important that everybody offer a little bit of grace to the decision makers at every level. I'm a, I'm a, I'm the, the husband of the teacher and the and the son of the teacher, so I am I am feeling it as well. Uh, but I will just say that I think that it's important that, to, to understand and recognize that that everybody I think is is, is genuinely trying to do their best uh, given what we're given. Yeah, that's a great point. It's kind of like you know how the old talk with the officials give those guys some grace, especially early on mm-hmm. in the season. We can show you know that's that's a that's a uh, some language that coaches are kind of used to hearing and and extend you know some some people that we're used to extending grace to, or hopefully some of us. Uh, and so I think that's a great point to to remember that that you know we do everyone wants football and that it's up to us as coaches and this is cliche but just to control what we can control and you know let those in positions of making decisions make them and trust what they're saying. I do want to ask you about this. You know, with, with coaching school now switching over to being all virtual, you guys you know usually have a really strong presence at coaching school and and again for those who don't know that's the uh, you know the the. The, the big statewide coaching convention that kind of kicks off uh, football season there in late uh, July. I was supposed to, it was set to be in San Antonio this year. What, what's, are you, are you still going to have a role in that? Is Dave Campbell still going to have a role in that or, or no? We're, we're still going to have a virtual booth. You can stop by um, and, and, and say hi to, to us there at the, at the virtual booth. We still want to be involved. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the great, the great opportunity. I love, I love coaching. Coaching school is one of my favorite events of the year because um, what, coaching school falls the perfect time because everyone's really gearing up for football and they want to talk about it. And so for me, I can shove a microphone in their face and they can, and they, and they talk, you know, we, we have a great opportunity to get together with coaches and it's just a great opportunity to check in with coaches. So I'm really going to miss it that way th- this year. We will be involved uh, with the PHSC virtual convention. Uh, the one thing I will say is, and, and we're not recording, right? This is nobody's going to hear this. Yeah. There's there's a couple um, dozen people that'll hear this, so just guard your yeah, guard okay. your words. Well, okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Uh, anyway, once they once the governor shut down the bars, I was like, boy, what's even the point? You know what I mean? Because because <laughs> if you've ever been to coaching school, it is. I I I mentioned I mentioned this uh, because I um because I love high school football coaches, but there's a reason they call the Texas high school football coaching fraternity. Okay, it's almost entirely dudes, right? Uh, and they are very tight. They are all. They all have each other. They gen, tend to have each other's backs. Um, they uh, like to gossip with one another, and when you get them together, it's a party. So that's uh, that's that's kind of uh, once 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 that happened, I was like, man, is this gonna be a dry coaching convention? Like, how is that gonna work? Yeah. So, un- unfortunately, unfortunately, I thought it was the right move from PHSCA. Booze or no booze. You know, and, and and what you, what you just did is you just outed all you know thirty five thousand. I think they had uh, coaches uh, in attendance last year. Hopefully, you know, if guys are listening to that, you know, driving along in their trucks with their wives or something, they turn that part down. Uh, and hey, you know, listen, uh, <laughs> I, I'm 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 a I'm a professional truth teller. My job. <laughs> uh, and and gossiping, I prefer to say exchanging of information. You know, gossiping is a little <laughs> bit. Uh, yeah, it has a negative connotation. Let's say exchanging of information. Okay. Uh, yeah, a little, uh, they, they like to chatter. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Okay. <laughs> well, that's all right. That's that's maybe a little bit of a, a kick in the shin there for some of us. Uh, so let's let's kind of <laughs> let's pull the nose of the plane up a little bit. We're gonna lighten things up with this, you know, this last backside of our of our interview here of our talk here. So uh, let's let's just we're gonna get to know Greg Tepper, the man. You know, maybe a different side of you uh, that that we don't always see or hear from. 
So let's let's talk about this. You already mentioned how you're a diehard Rangers fan. So I know you're a big baseball fan. What other sports are you into besides football and and maybe baseball? Yeah, you know I'm 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 kind of a, I'm kind of a sports nut. You know if it's on, I, I will watch it. Uh, my my I've said for a long time that if I ever run for president or, or any sort of elected office, my only political stance will be that I think there should be one live sporting event on at all times, all all year round. So if it is 3 a.m. on Christmas morning. I want to be watching Korean softball or okay. something like that. Right. Like, I, like there needs to be something. So, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, discriminatory towards that. I will say that in, in recent years, probably past, uh, you know, eight, ten years or so, I've gotten into soccer. Turning into soccer, I have a very bad English soccer team that I root for, which just really kind of hammers home the idea of me, um, you know, be me, me just throwing myself a sports sadness. Um, so, uh, go QPR, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, soccer is probably the, the other one that, that I'm, I'm most into. Uh, I, I like, I like watching basketball, uh, but I simply don't have the brain capacity to be able to like really get into it. I feel like I've, I'm pretty much overloaded, uh, with, with football at that point, but I do, I really do enjoy uh, watching that as well. Hockey as well. You work with a guy that is equally as well known throughout the state uh in in Matt Step. We actually had him on the podcast podcast last summer. Uh a great interview full of 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 a lot of of just <laughs> uh, unbelievable information and and uh knows his, his high school football and, and is an iconic figure as well in uh in the circles of Texas high school football. What's one thing you can tell us about Step that many of us might not know? Um he told you that this is in his full-time gig, right? Oh, I he told me that last year when I was getting ready, we were getting ready for this, for this uh, podcast. He said, yeah, cause I have a, I have a, a daytime job. And I was like, yeah, it's covering yeah. Texas high school football. And then I said, are you, I mean, I, we got on and before we started recording, I said, how, how, like, are you like buddy yeah. the elf? Like, do you eat maple syrup all the time and, and get like a 30 minutes of sleep or what? He is a crazy person. And that is me saying that. Like, I he is he is a he's a he's a sports robot sent from the future that will eventually turn on us and just end us. Like he is unbelievable uh, in, in what he does, and, and and that is the thing for me. The real one of the real tragedies of there not being an in-person coaching school is if you ever get to see Steph at coaching school, it's like going on a safari and seeing like an animal in its natural habitat. You're like, wow, look at him. Because the thing about Steph. <laughs> Is that like I I know I know almost I, I won't say I know most of the head coaches in the state of Texas, and I know uh, some uh, just a handful of uh, some of the assistants and stuff like that. But but a lot of my my interactions are with the head coaches. Um, Steph, a guy will walk up to him, and it will be the special teams coordinator at a two-way Division One team that went one and nine last year, and he'll walk up to him and be like, hey, man, how'd your wife's surgery go? I'm like, how do you know these things? Like, how? He is a, he is a, a monster. He's a monster is what he is. And, and I, I don't know how he does it. Um, as far as things I, can't, I, I don't know about him, did he tell you about his basketball career? I have seen some You know, he's put some pictures yeah. up where he was um, – you know, a lot uh, skinnier, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. and yeah, he looked like he could ball. Uh, no, I, mean, I would. I, I will just say this. Um, Steph, Steph's a big dude, 
just a, a big dude, but but of of the people that I know, I think he would be the last the the last of my buddies that I would pick a fight with. Like he would, he's he is. I, I, I'm very glad that Matt Step like, and that he's just overall a pretty agreeable fella. I just I would not mess with him. He is he is not skip arm day. He is every <laughs> he lives every day. He lives every day like it's fat arm Friday. It is. Uh, it. I, I would not mess with Steph. He is. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, technically he works. Yeah. Well, he he is uh, a, a a treasure, and and a, I love ta- I love talking with him. Uh, like you said, he's just you know whether you want to talk about uh, hey places to eat you know in the Rio Grande Valley go um, you yeah. know best place to get fajitas in West Texas go uh, best barbecue place in Houston go. I mean he can he's he's on it. He can tell you. Yeah. Well, and that, that's the thing is, is, is whenever we go on, the, my wife or my wife and I, or, or, or somebody's going on vacation, we'll always say, Hey, Steph, we're going through X. Where do we need to eat? And like immediately he'll be like, Oh, you need to eat uh, there. We yes. were a couple of years ago. We were, my wife and I went out to big bend. We, uh, we were driving through Alpine. And I said, Hey, where do we need to eat in Alpine? He goes, and like immediately he's like, I oh, need to go to Alicia's get the such and such. And I'm like, what are you, how do you know this? Like it's just it's 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 a it's a remarkable party trick you have. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And and we we should say this: it's his his wealth of knowledge is obviously not limited to restaurants, but uh, obviously yeah. football knowledge as well. I think that goes without saying for anyone who knows him or knows of him. Okay, I want to ask you this because I think I asked him this question. But what are some of your favorite Texas high school football stadiums? Um, my number one ranked stadium, and 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 this is gonna you know. Well, for some feathers, I, I really do have a top, a top, definitely a top two. The third one's kind of up there for debate, but it's the, my number one favorite stadium that I've actually never seen a game in person at, at is uh, Jones Stadium, R.R. Jones Stadium in El Paso. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is the, the Lady on the Hill. If you've never seen it, it, it looks like, uh, like on one hand, you look from one angle and you're looking up at this beautiful, basically like collegiate-looking building that's yeah. actually old El Paso High. Uh, that's unbelievable. And then, by the way, the, like that's the shot that everybody takes. But then, if you turn it around, the the, the stadium basically drops off a cliff, and you have this like vista of downtown El Paso that is unbelievable. It is it's one of the it's one of the most remarkable stadiums uh, at any level in in the world. Um, my other one would be um, the Puncher Dome in Mason. Oh yeah, our uh, Clinton yeah. Shoals Stadium in in Mason. And I will say, and again, I'm not um, I don't want this to be tooting my own horn, but I will say. That last year with Texas Football Days, uh, the the week one promotion for Fox Sports Southwest, where we televised uh, a live game on Thursday and Friday, uh, we were looking for a Thursday game, and they were saying, "Hey, we need some ideas. We need some ideas. We need some ideas." And I said, "Oh my gosh, Wall is playing at Mason in week one. We could do a game at the Puncher Dome. Please, oh please, oh please, oh please." And basically, nobody thought to tell Tupper to shut up, and and then we did, and 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 like. There's a very small part of me that takes a lot of pride in at least helping to get a multi-billion dollar corporation to take a giant television crew out to Mason County, Texas. Oh, that just, that makes me so happy. The the chair that you sat on is probably in the museum there in downtown Mason. I mean, I'm sure that made their, you know, their, uh, their decade for sure. No doubt there, but that is a, that is, you know, I coached in Kerrville at Tyvee. Uh, for six years, mm-hmm. so Mason's right up the road, and and never obviously because I'm coaching all the time, never saw a game, but but have seen the Puncher Dome, and it's a great, uh, oh, a great atmosphere it's, for sure. It's it's remarkable. It's 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 one of those things 
that you want to talk about what makes Texas high school football special. It's like, it's venues like that. It's things like that. I can't explain it to you. You just need to go. And if you go there and you don't kind of get goosebumps, like that's all I'm going to do with that. Yeah. Let's, let's take the North shore Duncanville game from 2018 out of the Mm -hmm. equation. What are some of your most memorable Texas high school football games that you've witnessed in person? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, one of the obvious answers would uh, would be the 2017 Manville Highland Park game, uh-huh. um, the, the incredible comeback from Highland Park. Uh, you know, John Stephen Jones yes. leads them back uh, on an unbelievable comeback, and then the game ends at the one-yard line. Uh, that's one that, that really stands out. The other game that I, I keep telling people uh, that is, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll just keep banging the drum um, about this game, uh, but there was a uh, an unbelievable game back in oh what year was it? I guess it was I'm googling real quick. Uh, yeah, tw- okay, it was 2013. That's right. 2013. It was Fairfield versus Argyle for the three A Division One state championship, um, and it was basically it turned out turned into uh, a show between Ian Sadler, who went on to play at Texas Tech, uh, and he was just making unbelievable plays. And then Fairfield had a running back by the name of Larry Rose III, who went on to be one of the best rushers in New Mexico State history. And they just went back and forth and back and forth, like huge play after huge play after huge play. And the game basically only ended because, um, because like, like Larry Rose III was breaking for a go-ahead touchdown, and he literally like ran out of gas because he was carrying like the 40th carry of the game. He already had like 290 yards or something, and he's like. <gasps> Just ran out of gas and got caught from behind, and, and Argyle ended up winning. That's the game that always sticks with me as, as one of my all-time favorite games because uh, that was you want to talk about. Just, you know, like high school football, sometimes is the best when it's like everybody clear out and just let these two guys go at it. Yeah, and that yeah. was so much fun. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, these next couple of questions had to do with TV. Okay, uh, sure. I'm sure, like the rest of us, you had a chance to watch. Uh, a lot of TV during the quarantine and, and all that. So what was the best thing you watched on TV during the quarantine? So uh, a small caveat, uh, we do have a, uh, we do have a, 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 my wife and I have a son. He's 19 months. His name is Hank. And so he has kept us busy. So we haven't like binged as much as other people. Oh, I'm there. Uh, I'm so there with I will, you. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of dads in the, in, in the audience right now who are nodding and be like, uh-huh. Um, but as far as things that I've binged, Jeez, um, you know, my my wife and I have been um, golly, what have we watched? It just all blends together. Um, we've we've been we we ran through the office again. It's like the third time we went through the office. <laughs> um, because you know that's because why not? Because the other right. thing is, there's a lot of things that I want to watch, but they're kind of like dark. Oh yeah, and it's like in times like this, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, uh, and so I would say that one. I have been the one thing, and it's it's a problem for me, but I have been catching up on the leftovers on HBO, which is a very very like depressing show, and I had to stop because like there's enough bad in the world, and then I'm just injecting more of it into it. But the leftovers has been pretty good, really remarkably well written. And while I have the audience, I will tell you. That, um, of course, please watch The Simpsons. The Simpsons is unbelievable. Uh, it's the best television show in American history. But also, on Netflix, I know it's weird, but watch BoJack Horseman. I promise you. I promise you. Take it from me. It's a, it is an animated show about a horse who is a child or who was like a, a, who was famous in the 80s uh, that now is kind of washed up. 
I promise you it's great. It sounds weird. Get past the first couple of episodes. You'll love it. It's really good. Okay. Well, all right. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, this next question. No, I didn't. And I don't really know where to go from that except for into my next planned question because I do have something to say about this. And you mentioned in our pre-interview that you really like this show. And this is, again, where we're kind of our, our paths converge again because I remember watching the show when I came home from school. Uh, and that is Family Matters with Carl Winslow and uh, Eddie and, of course, Steve Urkel. Urkel. Tell me your, if you can remember one, your favorite episode of Family Matters. Uh, so so here's, the, here's what makes Family Matters great. First of all, theme song. Theme oh, yeah. song is a banger. Do you want me to sing the it? Theme song's this... unbelievable. Yeah, we okay. we could we could we could sing it, but we we'll say we'll spare these guys. Uh, yeah, let's spare the audience. Come on, they've already had to put up with an hour of me. Yeah. Um, but the theme song's great. Uh, it, it it always makes feel good. They've got some iconic characters like Carl, of course, like Steve Urkel. What I would say is my favorite episode is an episode called Presumed Urkel, which was uh, back I want to say like season five, where um, Urkel is uh, accused of blowing up the science laboratory, and so he goes kind of on like a student trial, and Laura has to defend him. Uh, it's really funny. It's, a, it's an excellent episode. That would be my number one ranked episode. Not not a big Carl episode in that one. Not a ton of Carl. So if you're a yeah. big Carl head, that may not be the one for you. But uh, but yeah, that's that's the one for me. I think it's season four or five. You know, that was back when all of those sitcoms, those kind of family, you know, obviously uh, Full House, Step by Step mm-hmm. was another one where, you know, th- a, a, there was always a moral Right, like one of the kids yeah. screwed up, and then the music would, the sentimental music would come in, come in, and Carl would sit oh, yeah. Eddie down and talk to him why about why it wasn't yeah, good they, to lie. Uh, they always had a very special episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but, but I had to say that my favorite episodes were ones that were heavy in my man Waldo Geraldo Faldo. Uh, oh, <laughs> who was, yes. uh, was a great, great underrated character that probably doesn't get enough credit. But yeah, those would, that would be, I don't know if I have a fa- favorite episode, but any, any time where he was, uh, you know, had a big yeah. role that was, uh, I was watching that one. Excellent, excellent choice. <laughs> okay. This is the last question we're going to close up with before we do a little, a little, our little rapid fire section at the end. This is a chance for you to sound off. I know you probably get a lot of people trolling you on Twitter or, you know, why you get the disrespect coach who, you know, why did you pick us here or there in our mm-hmm. district or whatever? But I want to know, what is your pettiest take on something non-sports related? Like basically okay. like a pet peeve you have. So non-sports related. Okay. Well, hmm. Okay. Like I could, I don't know. I could tell like both of these have to do with sports. First of all, I'm just going to say it really sucks. Rudy sucks. Rudy's not a good football player. Rudy never should have been on the field. Rudy sucks. Uh, but that's not the one I want to get to. Um, the Hold on. The next like thing. Rudy, the next thing you're going to tell me is Hoosier sucks. Please. Are we? Are we going? Are, um, are you still? You know what? I have not seen Hoosiers in a couple of years, okay. so I do not want All to right. make a judgment. I remember okay. not really loving it last time I watched it. But yeah. Okay. But I'm also. I'm not talking about like the movie's okay, but the 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 actual player is, is, is trash. He's a trash okay. player. Okay. He's never seen the field. Okay. Um, he's, a, he's a walk-on who whined his way onto the field. Okay. Um, wow. So, right. anyway, the other one that I, I will say, and it's another sports movie, the Friday Night Lights movie is really good. It's really, really good. But, when the playoffs roll around, they flash the bracket up, and the bracket is an, a, like a disaster. 
okay? They had teams from, like, the Rio Grande Valley playing teams from, like, Lubbock in the first round. Something like that. It is a disgrace. And the thing that makes me really mad is it's freaking unforced error. It doesn't have to be. Like, call Craig Way. Give Craig Way 30 bucks and say, hey, we're going to give you a credit in the magazine. Will you please look over this graphic? And Craig will go, oh, well, uh, this is this is terrible. Uh, like, that's, that's what you've got to do. It's such an unforced error. And so it's now go look up that bracket yeah. from, the, from the Friday yeah. Night Lights movie. It's horrifying. It's you know, Every Texas high school football coach uh, and, 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 and anybody who knows about high school football or even just geography in Texas is going to be like, what in the world are we doing here? Okay. Well, you know, those are some, pe- those are some petty takes and no doubt you ruffled some feathers with the, uh, with the Rudy take. And I'm so I, you, he whined his way onto the field. Yeah. He whined his way on the field. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's probably good that, that we're, we're having a virtual coaching school because the coaches who do hear that would have some <laughs> stiff handshakes for you. Uh, yeah. I, no, no doubt. Um, okay. Now here's, here's where we're going to put you on the spot here. And, and I have, I've picked uh, randomly 12, high schools in the state of Texas. Okay. And, um, and and I'm going to tell you the high school and I want you to tell me the mascot. Now here is, here is the, here is this, my my stipulation for this. If I didn't know the mascot, then I didn't put it down. So some people might hear this and go, well, Hey, you didn't say anybody from this region of Texas or from this. Look, if I don't, if I don't, if I, if I didn't know it off the top of my head, then I didn't put it down because I don't think that's fair. So here we go. We got small schools, some smaller schools, and we're going to work our way up to bigger schools. All okay. right. Are you I'm, ready? I'm, in. I'm, I'm, I'm into this. Yes. Okay. This is, uh, this is good. I, I tell people all the time, I like to think that I rank second in the world behind Craig Way in this category. Okay. I like to think, but I may get exposed here. All right, Tep, you ready to do this? I'm ready. Let's okay. Go. Here we go. Here we go. The first school is a six-man school, Central Texas. The school is Jonesboro. What's their mascot? The great Eddie Gallegos would get very mad at me if I did not know that Jonesboro is, of course, the Eagles. There we go. And there's our little uh, ding yeah. sound to where we're legit here. Great job. Okay, you got that one. You're off and running now. Okay, here's the next one. Now, this one is a layup because you're going to know this one. But I, I drove through this town yesterday on our way back from a trip. And, and so I had to put it on there because my wife and I laugh at this one every time, particularly the, the water tower uh there with, with the school mascot and and the anyway the fighting winters ah uh, winters the blizzards of course the blizzards that's right the blizzards sometimes, which you know sometimes you're given a beautiful gift and all you have to do is receive it <laughs> yeah. that's what winters did they were given a great <laughs> gift and they go you know what let's let's lean in let's not overthink this okay this side note here, we're gonna we're gonna veer off the road here for just a second. My pet peeve, pettiest take: if your town uh, has a color in it, your school colors should be that color. And I'm looking at you, I'm Greenville, Brownsboro, uh, Red Lick, Redwater. We have those around here, you know, and none of them are those colors, and that doesn't make any sense. It drives, like it drives me, it drives my wife nuts that Kermit is not the frog. Yeah, it, I mean, it makes her so mad. It's teed up like, for you. Just go with it. I know. You know? Okay. All right. All right. All right. We'll get back on track here. Okay. Uh, here's a, another Central Texas small town team. Uh, the Chilton. Ooh. Chilton. Chilton is the, uh, Chilton's a pirate. That is correct. There Ooh. we go. You're three for three. 
Okay. I'm nervous. Uh, that was a school I used to drive through uh, when we would on our way on our, on our way to our dear lease. And what I always remember is the goalpost was right up next to the road, and so I I, I can imagine that there were you know a, a, a few fo- a few cars hit by footballs uh, going through that goalpost yeah. if they had any kind of kicker. But anyway, that's Chilton. All right, uh, another small school in East Texas, right out uh, in my neck of the woods, and that is the New Waverly. Oh no. Okay. Um Okay. Uh they So here's the problem. And here's the ones where I struggle with, okay? They definitely have like a, a more and I mean it's in a nice way. They have a generic mascot. They, do. they have a popular there's definitely a popular mascot. And, so ge- and generic other... color scheme. Like every small town is maroon and white. Um okay. So this is it's either going to be uh Tigers, Bulldogs, or Wildcats. Um, it's like I, I don't know it, so I'm going to go with what I think would be alliteration. So I'll go with New Waverly Wildcats. No, oh, you are close. It's the Bulldogs. It's the Bulldogs. It's the Bulldogs. Ah. And now you're going to have to go do a game in New Waverly. You know, you're just going to have to do it. Um, I don't know what they got those going. Are, those on. are the ones I struggle with. Yeah. If, if it is one of them, that's like. It's Eagles or it's Bulldogs or it's, or it's Wildcats. Like, there's so many of them that, like, yeah, it's hard to tell. Dang it. I'm sorry to wait. Look, look, I'm not mad at you. Um, you know, as being from Huntsville, we have plenty of jokes about New Waverly. And so this, you just did, um, you just kind of proved my point uh, growing up about New Waverly. Sorry, New Waverly. Great place. Beautiful town. Uh, actually home of Marcus and Seth Luttrell from, uh, you know, Lone Survivor. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I think he... I, I think he still lives out there. But anyway, so you don't want to you don't want to piss that guy off. So sorry, sorry, Latrell brothers. Okay, here's one. I think this is another layup for you. Uh, Hill Country team, the Bernie, Bernie High School. Oh, the Greyhounds. Bernie's the Greyhounds. The Greyhounds. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. All right. Getting back on track here. Northeast Texas team, the Caddo Mills. Ah, Caddo Mills is the foxes. The foxes, which. I, to me, that one doesn't really make a whole lot of... That doesn't flow. But, Caddo Mill... You but know, here's, here's the thing about that, and the reason I know that, is because I've always thought the Fox is actually a super great mascot. It seems really good, and it's really underutilized. Like, I think... I want to make sure... El Paso Jefferson is also the Foxes, and I think yeah. that might be the only other one. Like, I, I think that it... Foxes is one of those that would work better as part of an alliteration, you know, like yeah, like the I don't know Franklin Foxes. If, for, if, if, if Forestburg was the fox, there you go. There we go. Yeah, really yeah. Okay. All right. So here's a here's a new school, uh, Austin area, five no. A, Division two, and that is mm-hmm. the Leander Glen. Ah, okay. Leander Glen is the grizzly. That's right. That's right. Good job. That was. Uh, I was afraid when you said new school because uh, some of them are like like newer schools. You got to kind of absorb them into your brain at some point. Oh yeah. And yeah. The, the, the good thing about about Leander Glenn is that they were really good last year. So yeah, I'm they've about they've been good the last couple of years. You know, we we had our eye on them, and when I was in Kerrville, uh, they were in our the district we lined up with is for playoffs. So anyway, okay, a Corpus Christi team here. Great baseball tradition. Witnessed it firsthand. Corpus Christi Moody. Ooh, Moody. There's some good mascots down there. Um, Moody is 
the Ray is the Texans, Miller's the Buccaneers. They're the Moody's a Trojan. That is correct. <laughs> uh, and also, I was clicking over my buzzer, or my 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 ding, because I, I I thought you were gonna uh, gonna gonna miss that one, so I had my buzzer pulled up. Uh, yes, that's right. Corpus Christi Moody Trojans, and again, uh, we played them in a baseball series when I was in Kerrville, and I'd never seen the crowd a crowd like that for a high school baseball game, uh, and just the like they were loud like 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 at a football game. I mean, they had guys beating on buckets, and they'd get a chant going, and when a kid was up at, I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was wild. So anyway, great baseball school down there in Corpus Christi Moody. Okay, here we go. Uh, Houston area team, Klein Forest. Klein Forest. Klein Forest is, okay, Klein Fort Collins is the Tigers. Uh, Oak is the Panthers. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. They're the Eagles, but... Is there like a is there a modifier? There is. There are there are a certain kind of eagles. Uh, are they the are they the are they like the screaming eagles? It has to do with their colors. Oh, um, uh, they're uh, the the golden eagle. There you go. There we go. Which is yeah. that that could be kind of confusing because in that area you have Conroe Oak Ridge, who are the War Eagles. Yeah. You know, you have New Caney Eagles, so that that you know that can that could be tra- another okay. sort of sort of generic mascot. I mean, they they've made it somewhat unique by adding the golden there. Okay, sticking with the modifier of mascots, we're going to go with now another Central Texas team, Colleen Shoemaker. Colleen Shoemaker. Colleen Shoemaker. Um. Oh, see, now you've got me. Think, I'm in my own head because you said modifier. Um, so I'm trying to think of two word mascot. Um, they are the. Are they like the? Are they like the? They're okay. They're. I don't know. I'm blanking right now. I'm gonna be honest. Okay, sorry to to uh, head coach Toby Foreman, who the only reason I know him is because he he was an assistant coach when I was in high school. Uh, they are the Gray Wolves, Colleen Shoemaker Gray Dang Wolves. It, yes, Gray oh, Wolves. Yeah. yeah, that's that is a that's a bad mess. That's a, that's a straight up bad mess. That's, that's one okay. I'm not going to make again. Okay, all right, all right. I, I think I think you're okay. You're okay. That's two two out of uh, we got out a total of twelve. Now these next two should be layups for you. Uh, because they're both DFW schools, so trying to give you a soft landing here as we come into the to the stretch here. Okay, LD Bell. Ah, in Hearst, if you go by Hearst LD Bell, you will see that they are the home of the Blue Raiders. That is correct. Not the Raiders, the Blue yeah. Raiders. The Blue Raiders. Okay. All right. Now here's another new school in the DFW area, Prosper Rock Hill. Oh my gosh, I laid out this page in the magazine. Um, oh crap. The coach is Mark Humble. Uh they're probably gonna be okay this year, like better than normal, like first year team. They're oh they're a weird mascot too. Oh come on, Greg. Um to the blue hawk, to the blue hawk. <laughs> There we go. There we go. That's right. I and I didn't realize till just now that I had two blue something mascots there towards the end but oh. I, I saw that one pop up i don't know maybe on twitter today and i was like oh that's a good one 
because that's a new you school. Just and the, you just got to hear the processor working. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you know, so you got 10 out of 12. You know, that's like a B plus. Okay. Uh, yeah, a nine, maybe I will, 90. I will tell yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I'll take a B, I'll take a B plus. I will tell you that um, as we go deeper into the season, that's when, like, it, it kind of fades. Yeah, a little oh, bit. no doubt. Like, no oh, doubt. You, you know, you, you and, and you got to get refreshed. But, yeah, by, by the time the state championships roll around, um, if you if we do this again, you give me another twelve. I'm I'm pretty sure I can I can test uh, well. Well, so here's here's all that needs to happen is is the guys in New Waverly they need to send you a t-shirt, right? And and oh, you, I'll never forget you, it. You could wear it on you know on your podcast. You could you know when you're when you're doing your podcast or uh you know hang it up in in the background whatever. New Waverly and and Colleen Shoemaker, you guys get some get some gear together mm-hmm. and send it to send it to the guys at at Dave Campbell. Well, well, Tep, it, it's been a lot of fun, you know, just to chat with you today about Texas high school football, about random 90s TV shows. And I, I just want to thank you for all that you do for the game of football in this in the state of Texas and, and for making it such a big deal. Thank you so much for that and all the, the hard work that you put into it. We really appreciate it. Well, I, I really appreciate it. It's, uh, as I mentioned, you know, off the top, you know, Dave Campbell's Texas football is a labor of love. It's a lot of people who are passionate about football in the state of Texas, just trying to do right by Dave. And, uh, and we couldn't do it. We literally couldn't do it, and we wouldn't want to do it uh, without, without the support of, of high school football coaches around the state. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I love my job is that I get to, I, like, those are my contemporaries. Those are guys that I get to deal with on a daily basis, and they're, they're, they're guys that I really, I really enjoy being around and guys that I have a, a great deal of respect for. So uh, I, I, we, we couldn't do it without them, and, and, and we wouldn't want to. Thanks once again to Tep for stopping by today and chatting with us. And, and a big shout out to him and the rest of his staff over there at Dave Campbell, Texas football for making such a big deal out of high school football in our state. And, and as Tep mentioned, for fostering such strong relationships with the coaches in our state. It really is like seeing a celebrity. If you've ever seen him or, or Step or any other member of the, of the Dave Campbell, Texas football crew, at your game or maybe at another game, it is, it's, it's great being able to go up and talk to those guys. If you want to hear more from Tep, you can watch his daily show called Texas Football Today, which is live on TexasFootball.com, and it covers high school and college ball in the state of Texas. You can also stream the podcast of Texas Football Today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to follow Tepper on Twitter, he has the coolest Twitter handle ever because it's just his last name. I mean, that is how how, how big time is that, where, you, where your Twitter handle is just at your name. So uh, his Twitter handle is at Tepper. At T-E-P-P-E-R. There you go. Our quote of the day is this. Every morning you have two choices. To sleep with your dreams or wake up and chase them. And that's a wrap for us today on this episode of KYPD. If you're liking what you're hearing, hey, give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. It literally takes about as long as it does for some of you old D-line guys to get down in a three-point stance. And it really helps spread the word about our podcast here. And I love getting feedback from you guys. So do that. Give us a five-star rating if you're liking what you're hearing. Tell your friends all about us and help us out in that way. Be sure to join us again next week where we are talking with a high school head coach outside of the state of Texas, actually heading out to the West Coast for episode number 69. So looking forward to that. Until then, have a great week. Love God, love others, and tip. All right, now in your most authoritative voice, tell these guys what else they better do. Coaches, keep your pass down.